the Now That We're a Family podcast. Honestly, Katie, my heart's kind of racing right now. I feel like this is a bit of a, an adrenaline rush. Yeah? Is we- it why my heart's racing? What? <laughs> Wait, what did you say? Are we are we like agreeing why we like feel like more full of adrenaline this podcast than usual? Are we are we agreeing? Okay, why are, why is your heart racing? Well, because we have five kids yeah. like <laughs> on the other side of this wall that are all t- theoretically taking naps right now or but, having quiet times. Yeah, and I know one of the questions that showed up in this Q and A or that we get a lot actually, and I just we weren't going to answer it, but it kind of goes with this whole thing was. What is your childcare situation and is it working for you currently? <laughs> <laughs> and we've always, well, like for the last five years, we've had a date night babysitter. That's been our, our childcare is our date night babysitter. And we really looked forward that, to that each week. And we eventually stacked our podcast and YouTube filming on that date night. Yes. And so we either do like just a straight up date or a work date and then get food afterwards kind of thing. But... Currently, that is not working for us because our babysitter is at a at a college right now. Yeah, she went to Bible school, which you can't hate too much. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, what are you going to say? It has been tough. She was so dependable for so long. Yeah. And I don't think I was very... Yeah, I mean, I know I wasn't really prepared to lose her. And it has affected our weekly... A bunch of weekly routines. Like you yeah. said, our date night, our content creation... Uh, fortunately, I think we have found, uh, you know, a great alternative. Yeah. Her AKA, older sister. Yeah, AKA her <laughs> sister. Uh, and we're grateful for that. Uh, but even with that, we're trying to get back to a rhythm and a routine that is consistent because boy, I tell you what, the consistency of having that three hours every week that we could depend on at the same time was so helpful. And yeah, I am glad actually that you brought that up, Katie. That wasn't, wasn't one of the questions that we had on the list. Uh, Cause that has been, that's been asked a lot actually over the last maybe two or three months. And I yeah. want to take this opportunity. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. You, you ready? I'm going to oh. take this opportunity <laughs> to praise you for your ability to do everything that you do with literally, I mean, over the last few weeks, no, no outside help with childcare, but then even prior to the last few weeks at the most three hours a week, you know, and, and we would do date night oftentimes and and then get the filming done in that time frame. And that's really impressive that you're able to do everything that you do, obviously in the home management side of things, which is amazing. But then also the fact that you are able to create so much content. You know, you come and you your thoughts are so clear when it is time to record. You make the most of the time to record. And so I, I that is truly inspiring. And it's not oh. to... And we are not opposed to outside help at all. <laughs> like, no, no, when it comes to the childcare, like I said, we've been really grateful for the consistent support that we've had. But we're in a season right now where we don't have family in town, um, or like you know, like parents or grandparents or things like that, and we don't have a consistent babysitter. So it really makes me grateful for how on the ball you are with everything and how you maximize your time. Well, thanks for saying that, Elisha. No, no thank you. <laughs> that that means a lot to me. And obviously, I feel like that happens because we're such a team. Hmm. And I feel so supported by you. And you're so in tune to me and my ups and downs and what I need. And I'm just grateful for that. Good. You're a huge help. Good. 
Okay, so... With that said, should we start the official yeah, Q&A? Yeah, start the official <laughs> Q&A. You wrote down some questions. I wrote down some questions. We wrote them all down on the same scratch piece of paper here, um, along with five times one is five, five times two is ten. Someone's scratch paperwork. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, should I just ask them to you? You want to ask them to Why me? Why don't you... Well, let's go back this? and forth. Okay, so... Um, how should I just go in order? Go in whichever order you want to go. How about that? <laughs> this is that? so stressful all of a sudden. <laughs> okay, how do you encourage gentleness with a baby? We got this multiple question multiple times. Um, some people are asking specifically with boys, how do you encourage gentleness with boys and a baby? Uh, but how do you do that? Well, one, I think that when you have young children, while you're while the older kids are still young, they really get to grow with the kiddo. Mm -hmm. And so it's very natural from the get, like when you're telling, you know, when I think of having our second Leon was just 13 months. And so he grew up with his younger sister. And, and similarly with Lucy, she was 15 months old when we had our third and it's been pretty similar for all of our kids. And so the next kid is young and you really are teaching them everything at that point. And so teaching them to be gentle, to not touch the face, to not poke their eyes out, you know, to not bounce them violently in their bouncer like they want to. And, and you know, what's interesting know. is now that, now that I think about it is that this has been the most challenging, I think, uh, as far as our toddler being gentle with the newborn, cause this is the oldest, our second youngest has ever been right. When having a child, he's two and a half. And when then we've got a newborn, oops. Well, forgot to silence the phone. Yeah. We're back. <laughs> That ended up being a longer conversation and less exciting than we thought. Yeah, wow. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming Luke's going to take the phone conversation out of the podcast. <laughs> uh, what were we talking about? We okay. were just talking about yes. okay. our two-year-old being gentle with our newborn. Yes. What are your thoughts on this? Um, yeah, so I do think like having like especially with boys or just in general, just teaching gentleness in general goes a long way. It can be very specific with a baby. Obviously it has eyes and a mouth and you can't put food in its mouth and stuff like that. But I mean, we use like all glass dishes here. They use glass cups, just like learning to be gentle in a, in a gentle world <laughs> like that, that can go a long ways because they already know how to be gentle. So they have context for that. So mm. when you're saying be gentle with the baby, they're like, what? I'm used to just like whacking everything around whenever I want. They have this context for being gentle, I guess. So I think that that can help. Yeah. And I think we do in that you're teaching them where they can be rough, where they should, yeah. where it's expected that they're gentle and so that they're clear on those categories. We, we don't want just you know soft boys but we also don't want just rambunctious rowdy boys we want we want them to be capable of of both and so i think we make it clear like hey you can be rough and you can wrestle outside and you can climb the trees and jump out and you can whatever dig holes uh but then indoors you've you're not able to, to do that you know mm -hmm. you've got to have your inside behavior and that trans translates over to how you're handling young babies as well yeah definitely so anyways um homeschool versus private school elisha I should have asked you that one, but I, I just wanted to go in order. Okay. Homeschool versus private school. For us personally, we we're homeschooling and that's the plan for the duration. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the conversation was really, you know, public school was not an option because of the secular, really, you know, pagan nature of the public school system. And as Christians, I think it's incumbent upon us to give our children a Christian education. You know, mm -hmm. we've, 
we need to instill a Christian worldview into them. And that's going to be through this, through the sciences, you know, through math, through English, uh, through, you know, literature, all those things that we're going to be teaching them in school needs to be in the context of being a Christian mm-hmm. and the public school does not do that. And so obviously when you're homeschooling, you're able to do that. And then there are many great private Christian schools as, as well that do that. I think our thoughts, and I mean, you'll be able to speak more to this. A lot of the reason we were kind of close to the idea of private Christian school was because one, you have a heart for teaching. Like you were pumped to teach our kids. Mm -hmm. And then two, we're kind of selfish with our kids time. It's like, we like being around our kids. We want them to be present and to be in our home. And then three, we didn't want our family schedule to be dependent on an outside, you know, a third party's schedule and structure. Um, those are my motivations anyways. You probably yeah. have more. What are your thoughts? No, those are really big ones. I think that one I would add is just the peers of your kids. Yes. And so that's something that's really, I mean, we've talked about this over and over and over and over, but I think it comes up a lot in the school conversation because mm. there are schools like, I think anytime you get insecure as a homeschool mom, you kind of look for other options. <laughs> and so I've definitely done that and start being like, oh, well, maybe if we put Leon in a classical Christian academy, you know, he could get more one on like more devoted time to his age grade, mm-hmm. you know, all day would just be a focus on his grade and he'd have specialized teachers and they're Christians and they love the Lord and all that. Um, but then I always come back to anytime we've had this conversation, like, mm-hmm. but we can't choose who his peers are. We can't choose who his friends are and what's going on in their homes and what they're choosing to talk about. Even at this age, you know, you say they don't have phones at this age. Um, a lot of them do, (laughs) but what are they choosing to talk about? What have they been exposed to Mm. and what do they think is cool? You know, in air quotes, because, um, that again rubs off on our son. And what's funny is on a lot of our screen free videos or things of that nature, people say, well, it's just because, you know, they aren't around other kids and, uh, that have differing opinions on that kind of stuff. What do you mean? As in like, they're cool. Our children, the Votebergs might be fine not watching movies, but that's because they're not around all these peers that are, oh, you know, sure. talking about, talking about these and... things all the time. And, and, um, I actually do think there's some truth in that. Like mm. our friend groups and the kids that our kids are, are around are very like-minded in in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um and we definitely get things like you know our oldest just came up to us and was like what's star wars you know everyone's seen star wars all my friends have seen star wars when do i get to see star wars you know so they are just influenced just by what other children talk about too yes. and what they think is awesome so we want to as much as possible facilitate that being things that we value as a family yes um for as long as possible Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's a huge... I mean, that might be... I mentioned those three things, but the peer influence might be the biggest reason we want to be able to homeschool our kiddos. And it's not because there's amazing Christian teachers at private Christian schools. Uh, It's it's because you cannot control who the other kids are. And, And there's awesome families that send their kids to private schools, but I just think of Leon being around whatever, you know, however many kids are in a class, you know, 25 kids at hit that are the same age as him and that stresses me out like if he's with them five days a week the variety of on which uh those kids are going to be exposed to different 
concepts and ideas and the media they're going to be even just behaviors like yes. little boys have just like weird behaviors oh yes <laughs> and we see it in our own boys you know it's Absolutely. like why are you making those noises or why are you acting that way it's just kind of weird and i get they're trying to figure stuff out but we don't necessarily want to be like here go around you know 20 other boys that are all going through their odd little boyness and yes. <laughs> pick up on all their strange traits so it's not to say that we don't have our kids around other kids because no. They're very, very social. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but it's usually in the context of our home or when we're there and we can just kind of have a pulse on what's going on. So. Hey, you guys, I just wanted to tell you real quick about my homeschooling course, Homeschooling the First Three Years. It's all about laying a foundation of joy and confidence and fun and simplified homeschool in your home. So if you're in a place where maybe you're considering homeschooling your kiddos in the next few years, then this course is for you. It's going to break down not only what we do for homeschool and our family and what we've done for the first three years in homeschool, but it's also going to show you exactly how that looks. So I'm going to take a camera around with me vlog style and show you how does it look to homeschool with a baby? How does it look to homeschool with a toddler? How does it look to homeschool multiple grades at one time? How do you navigate um, different learning tendencies? How do you navigate your learning style as a teacher? And how do you motivate children and get them to love learning? I love homeschooling my kids. One of my favorite things that I get to do with them each day and it's something that I want you to love doing with your children is well. So if you look down in the description box, you will be able to find a discount code where you can get a discount off of homeschool the first three years. And I really hope that it blesses your home. That's good. Well, actually on that point, this was a question I was going to ask and I'll ask it now because okay. it kind of is a nice little <laughs> add on to that. Question is, what does community look like for you in this season of parenting young children? And so we can, we can talk real time. I mean, you know, Sunday being kind of obviously a paramount day of the week for us, fellowshipping with other Christians and there, the kids have a bunch of friends at our church. And of course we're there worshiping and we're there hearing God's word and, and partaking in the various elements of, of the Sunday service. Uh, but then there's always a solid chunk after, after church where the kids are all playing outside together and, and they've got real relationships with most of those kids because or with a lot of those kids because we're part of a Tuesday night small group where once again, our kids are hanging out with another, you know, a, a group of kids that we're friends with, um, for what is that? Three hours yeah. every Tuesday yeah. night. It's pretty fun. We all do dinner together, which is wonderful. And I love fellowship around a meal. I think that's a really special thing. That's very rare. So yes. Yeah. And then you can jump in here and ever too. I'm just kind of thinking through our week, you know, yeah, so, so, yeah. so it's like, you know, Sunday, they're with friends at church. Tuesday night, they're with friends. Um, Thursday, me and the boys go to father-son ministry, and we've been doing that for about two years now, and they've been able to form some fun friendships there. And, and I really am grateful my boys are able to be around a lot of those boys. There's just some yeah. great boys that are a couple years older than our sons. They're very sober-minded, but still fun-loving. Yes. It's like an amazing combination. Yes. Uh, so that's good. And then oftentimes on Saturday, we will socialize with other families just for random occasions. And then I think of our friend group here in the area. Wednesday nights are usually like a hospitality night. So we either go over to someone else's home or have people over at our home. Yeah. And I even think so. of just this last, you know, Wednesday, was that two nights, three nights ago, two nights ago, um, with the Woodfords coming over, that was so good for our boys. I mean, oh, yeah. they have sweet boys. Their, their sons are, you know, a couple years. Well, I guess their oldest is a couple years older than Leon, but then they've, then they've got a son Leon's age and then they have 
what, six kids. Mm -hmm. And that was great for our boys to be around other, like you said, I I love finding boys and and families where they're sober minded, but they are fun loving and adventurous and, and capable. Uh, and so, yeah, I feel very blessed and you can probably keep adding on a community because I know you get together with people periodically as well mm-hmm. when I'm not around. So what is, what is that? What would yeah, you say? Yeah. I'd like? say like every once in a while I do a, you know, come over to my house or I go over to your house and we do a play date and hang out. Those are rare, but I really enjoy them, mm-hmm. uh, with my friends and yeah, I mean, we also just like go to the parks around here and I will say that's where we get like more straight up, just like the neighborhood kids yeah. situation, <clears throat> um, which we really try to limit <laughs> as of this year, uh, just as the kids get older and just exposed to so much stuff. It's just like, you're eight. How do you, how are you talking about this? I don't know. Yeah. It, and I've been pretty grateful with how a lot of these heavier subjects have come up in in, you know, at the park and, and the things that our kids will come yeah. and ask us. We've talked about like a ton of heavy topics with our kids yes. because they've all come up at the park. Yeah. And I'm grateful that we're in a spot with our kids where they come to us. I mean, usually we get to hear the dialogue because the parks that we go to are pretty enclosed where you're, we're pretty close by to all the conversations, but of course you're not going to be there for everything with your kids, nor should you plan on being there for everything. And so I'm grateful that our kids have brought so many things to our attention. And it, and it makes me wonder of the things that they still haven't brought up, you know, they're yeah, chewing on because a lot of the things they'll bring up a month later. Yeah. You know, Liam will be like, so daddy, what does fill in the blank mean? Or what's mm-hmm. a, you know, this. Or like, so, wow. so-and-so said he did this or yeah. to someone Ex- else. Or yeah, exactly. You know, like he's that. just been thinking about it for weeks. Yeah. And he's like this, I don't know about this. And then he brings it up and you're like, wow. And I'm so grateful that we have that dialogue with our kiddos. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, I don't react too, too dramatically, you know, she's no. like, what? No, you don't. He said, what? No. <laughs> it's usually like, we're just like, okay, limiting time with said child. Yeah, exactly. Oh goodness. How do you transition children out of naps? I'm going to go ahead and answer this one because I feel like we actually have a great flow on this, especially, um, this was specific with babies. And then, I mean, I'll just tell you what I do. So when children are taking two naps a day, that's great. One in the morning, all the kids have a quiet time in the afternoon from one to three. That's what's going on right now. So the baby's napping, the toddler's napping. I have one child that's four that is hit or miss right now, but he still lays in his bed for two hours. And then the two big kids that are five and six do quiet time on their own, which is just playing with Lego or reading. And sometimes I use the time to call one of them in to do something one-on-one with me. Hmm. Uh, So that's kind of what that looks like currently. When a baby drops their morning nap or starts to drop it, those transitions are always awkward. I feel you on that because it's like they're still cranky if they don't have the morning nap, but then if they have the morning nap, they might not sleep in the afternoon or they might just sit in their bed and fuss or something like that. So what's worked really well with our last two kids is my kids do not drop the morning nap. I put them in their crib with toys and a bottle for about a year after they start kind of intermittently napping. And so it's a quiet time for them. And if they need the nap, they'll fall asleep. And if they don't need the nap, then they just sit there with their bottle and their toys for about 30 to 40 minutes. And then I get them up. And so we've kept that going with Lawrence until he just dropped that when Lionel was born. So at around two years old, he dropped that um, morning quiet time. 
Um, but he had it probably ever since he was 16 or 17 months and dropped his morning nap. It was kind of intermittent on that. Mm. We just kept the quiet time going in the morning. And that's amazing when you're homeschooling because it keeps your house quiet with that age child, which is kind of hard to entertain while you're trying to focus on other subjects. So anyways. Yeah. I mean, and that's what we're experiencing right now is <laughs> our kids are in the other room and yes. they've just become accustomed to this two hour quiet time because it, it really never stopped from the time yeah. that they were napping. Yeah. So we now. always keep that one. We might drop the morning quiet time, but we never drop the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And I say never because I was, you know, 20 years old and still living at home. And when we still had a two hour quiet time in my home. Mm -hmm. So anytime I hear of moms being like, Oh, my four and five year old decided they didn't want to nap. It's like, how do you do that? Like, I just say too bad, stay in your room for two hours yeah. and maybe we'll add a story tape or you can look at books or something like that. Yes. So yeah, that's good. All right. I've got a question. Okay. Are y'all KJV only? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know how, I mean, I'm curious what you would say. I would say from okay. my perspective, um, I'm not like we aren't KJV only in terms of that's the only Bible we've read. Like I've read the CS B or CSV. I don't know. I don't even know what the other translations are that I have. Um, the ESV, mm -hmm. uh, definitely. And so we have other versions of translations of the Bible in our home. As far as what I actually view as like the word of God, it's definitely my King James version Bible, just nice. because I grew up with that version. And so if it's not like thee, thou, thus, and thy, I just, it's really hard for me to believe it's scripture. <laughs> and that's just like, that's, that's preference. I don't think that there's, there's not other great translations out there. So yeah. I'm not King James only in that, in that extent, but all the scripture I've memorized is KJV. Elisha has memorized a lot of King James scripture as well. And that's what we're raising our kids on when it comes to memorization is King James. And I think that it's nice when a family picks a translation and has that within their family. Cause then when you like quote scripture yes. and stuff like that, you aren't all jumbling over each other and you aren't saying the same words, you know? So I don't know. What would you say? Yeah. It's been a while since I feel, since I think either of us have done a deep dive into the translations. Yeah. But I know currently it's pretty funny because I'm with you. King James is a straight up preference. It's, yeah. it's not a conviction. It, it, if anything, because of who we're, we've been listening to the last four or five years, they are predominantly not K KJV people. Yeah. You know, I think that's a lot more hev heavily ESV, and we have a lot of ESV bi Bibles in our house, and and our and our church is ESV. Um, yeah, our, well, been actually, using like an well, L, well, L LSB, something. I think. Yeah, they're they're transitioning over to ESV because it's okay. been it's been kind of split. Um, and so we're around a lot of ESV. Uh, we, like I said, we have many ESV Bibles, but just from straight up preference, I'm with you. There's something so beautiful about the old English and it's just, it's just nice. It's nice prose, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's beautiful to read. I feel like it treats the heaviness of the Bible very tactfully because it's very gracious. It's funny when I read more modern translations, I'm like, they said, what, you mm -hmm. know, there's no way I'm reading that to my child. But I love that as children's vocabulary grows, they're ready to understand the fuller depth of what something's talking about by the time they can understand. And I mean, you're going to have incredible reading comprehension if you can read the King James Version. Reading an old classic book is a is a walk in the park. So that's like another sideline benefit. I think it just increases uh, vocabulary, and it's it's just beautiful. It's yeah, beautiful work. I agree. Okay. Um, you brought this one up. We were kind of laughing about it earlier. The Enneagram. 
it's been forever since I feel like the Enneagram has come around in conversations. Hmm. There's probably still some fringe, I don't know, conversations going on about it, you know, but it's not the hot thing online like it was a few years ago. Um, And people are asking what our thoughts were on the Enneagram. Hmm. What are your thoughts, Elisha? You know, it's funny. I feel like this is one of those topics that I feel like we've, we've got a few things like this in our life where, uh, yeah, I mean, I did the Enneagram, what do you call it? Test? Is it, it's cause it's not a personality test technically, right? What is it? I don't know. I don't know what I it did was. the Enneagram, whatever it's eight when everybody was doing it, you know, I feels like right. Yeah. Like seven or eight years ago. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a little bit after we got married. Maybe. Okay. So maybe like four or five years ago. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. And I think I was what, a four, three or something, three, four. Yeah. You still remember. Uh, four, okay. three. <laughs> I, I, okay. I will say this, you guys, it was, Elisha doesn't like personality test because they put them in a box. So that's a box that I put Elisha in is the box of he doesn't like personality. Yeah, that's a classic three or four, I think, isn't it? Isn't <laughs> yeah. that what that is? <laughs> oh my goodness. So I was like a big personality, take all the tests person until I learned that Elisha didn't really like them. And then I kind of phased out of using them. I think I was kind of over it, but I got into the Enneagram, thought it was awesome. I was a three wing four or whatever. Mm. And I was like, you have to take this. So Elisha, like probably all the good husbands of the day took the Enneagram and out of all the personnel or whatever tests we've ever taken, that one did, you did feel understood by that test. Yeah. I mean, sure. I guess. Yeah. It was, <laughs> you think you felt <laughs> understood because it said that a four wing three feels misunderstood. Oh, he's like, I've never felt so understood in my life. Yeah. I don't know. The, the, what I was going to say though about this is that, yeah, we, uh, we went through the whole thing where we did it yeah. <clears throat> and it was fun. And then I want to say like a year later, we didn't care about it anymore. Yeah. And then the, all the controversy started hitting the, the more all of our circuits, like everybody, yeah, like a lot of people we respected started being like, okay, the Enneagram is demonic or, um, yeah, just like, there's spiritual warfare going on with the mm-hmm. Enneagram. Stay away from this. It's a cultish. And we we're like, okay. oh, that totally makes sense. I mean, stuff with, I I know with like numerology and stuff like that. When I was in high school, that was a big thing. And I stayed away from that because my mom was like, oh, that's like part of the occult. But then I didn't think of that when it came to the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I think it was just so pitched as a personality test, kind of like a Myers-Briggs or something. You get yeah. letters, you get numbers, whatever. I didn't really correlate the two with numerology and astrology and all this stuff. And so, yeah, we did it at the time. But then... I had no problem believing when I just saw those thumbnails, I guess people I respected yeah. being like, Oh yeah, that totally makes sense. It's probably a cultish, yeah, but I didn't even listen. I didn't do the research. Yeah, say, on it. I was going to say the same thing. I feel like we didn't do much past looking at the thumbnail or the blog title and we're like, yeah. oh, okay. Like, like I totally believe that we'll just not do that anymore, which we aren't doing it anyways. Like, you know, once we you, didn't care by the time. No, like it, I didn't have any books in my home about it or whatever. We right. took some online test and talked about it and then moved on with our lives. So when people ask us for like a opinion on the Enneagram, it's kind of hard to give you one because it's like, I totally would say right now, I wouldn't recommend it based on the people I know that say they wouldn't recommend it. Right. But I've not why. done like, any research on my own. And it seems kind of like a waste of time at this point because I don't care anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to study it at this point because I just don't. I don't there's care. other things I'd yeah. rather research. Same. I'm not going to have our kids doing the Enneagram or whatever. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, we do. I mean, I know this wasn't the question, but Colby, that was a big one for you. Strengths finders. And oh, then you yeah. already mentioned Myers Briggs. And so I feel like we've done a handful since, you know, being into and those were ones those are ones that we probably would still use as reference points. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Colby is how you work. That's an entrepreneurial yeah. assessment. So is Strengths Finder. And I mean, those are part like deeply rooted in my family's culture. Oh my word. It's like scripture and your Colby assessment is like <laughs> right underneath it. Yeah. Kate, I mean, I don't know how often this comes up in, you know, at family gatherings on your side every, of the family. Every get together at least, at, at least once, probably per, a mul- day. Yeah, multiple times it comes up, yeah, probably you know, daily. and your family gets, and I love you always look at me because it's, I've learned to go along, to go along with it. I'm like, okay, I should get into this. Everybody's into it. But for the first few years of our marriage, it drove me nuts. I'm like, are we seriously talking about this again? And Kate would always look across the room and, and smile at me. Um, but I, I think I've matured or something. I don't know. Oh yeah. You embrace it now. Yeah. As good as you can. I appreciate that. Um, okay. So I'm going to talk about this one. You, okay. So I brought this up. <laughs> You're going to talk about it. Huh? It was no intimacy in six weeks postpartum. How does a husband handle it? And this was asked, I think we briefly touched on this, um, in our last Q&A, I want to say, because it's, it's been asked on multiple Q&As. So I don't know if this person's not getting their questions answered adequately or if we didn't touch on it. And I just thought we did. Okay. Um, so if this is redundant, sorry, you guys. But Elisha said, just mentioned very vague terms. <laughs> but I think no intimacy in six weeks postpartum. How does a husband handle it? Or how does a wife handle it? Honestly. That's like, while you're healing, there are other ways to be romantically involved. And I would just say that I would highly encourage you to not have your marriage be void of intimacy, physical intimacy of any form for six weeks. Um, That's a really important part of a marriage and that can happen while you're still healing. Hmm. So that's all I would encourage. What would you say? Yeah. I mean, I think just from a man's perspective, there is like, I don't know if it's just God's grace, whatever it is, where, where you, especially in the postpartum season, you, you, I really do think men, I know I have like, have the ability to like put on pause that part of their brain for, for a, not maybe not six weeks, like what you're talking about. And maybe that's not ideal, but it's, it's not like, oh, it's, it's been two weeks. I, everything's a temptation, everything. Yeah. It doesn't have yeah. to be that way. And, and obviously there's never an excuse for falling into sin, but even, you know, feeling extra temptation and it, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, I, but yeah. I do think there are just seasons where you're kind of like, okay, like, you know, going into it, this, this isn't going to be the frequency that you've become accustomed to in your marriage yeah. and, and you live with it. And then really, I feel like anything then is kind of a fun bonus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just laughing because I don't, yeah. Okay. Um, and I don't think I wasn't addressing this either for my like, a sin point, like, oh, I'm scared Elisha's going to fall into sin or mm. something. It's more just like, it's, I, I feel like it's healthy for the marriage. Like it's, it's still bonding. It's still enjoyable. No doubt. And there is something, it's still a special form of connection that you have with your spouse. Yes. Um, even in that time of, you know, being really just the primary concern is mommy and baby and that bond. Um, I think that it's still really 
bonding to have something with your husband. Absolutely. And I know that that was specifically talking about the postpartum season, but in Mm -hmm. any busy season of life, it is bizarre how it's like, man, what's going on in our marriage? We're feeling this friction. We're feeling this tension. And so much of of that can be resolved. I'm not saying everything is resolved when you have sex, but it's like, oh, you are, you, it is a bond. There is something that's very spiritual and bonding that happens when you partake in that. It's like, it's like the sacrament of marriage, you know, that's exclusive Mm -hmm. to, to marriage. And so when you're not partaking of that on a regular basis, it's easy to, to feel disjointed in your marriage. And so, and it can be a really beautiful time because you aren't doing what you would usually do. And so it can actually like mix things up. So anyways, I would say that. Okay. How do your parents, parent children still at home differently than you? Wow. (laughs) Isn't that the, I mean, yes, is the answer. (laughs) I know. I like how it was assumed that (laughs) the younger half is parented differently than the older half. So Elisha and I are both in the older half. Um, I would say just as the oldest, I got parented differently, which totally makes sense because I feel like we're totally doing that with our oldest and that's just running the mill for your oldest kid. You get some things that are awesome about that role and some things where you're like, oh man, you were the guinea pig and that's just <laughs> life. And I don't regret that at all. I loved my um, place in the family and I hope that our oldest son and daughter do as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Elisha was fourth born and yeah, fourth out of 10. So like you said, it was kind of getting to that middle stage, but I was considered one of the older kids my whole my whole life, yeah. you know, that older section. Um, boy, I don't, I'm sure there's some commonalities in any big family. Um, but for, for us, I know that life was just smaller for the, the, um, for the older half or really the older half. And it was probably similar for you because you're dealing like right now, our oldest is six. And so we're dealing with six year old problems. That's the highest, that's the biggest, the problems are getting right now is six year old problems. Yeah. Very small. And so that sets a lot of the tone for the overall house. When he's 14, the nature of our home is, is obviously going to be different because we're dealing with 14 year old issues. And those are the nature of the conversations. And that's going to have an effect on what our younger kids are exposed to to and what they're, you know, witnessing on a regular basis. And so therefore I think that's going to inform how you parent those younger children. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, totally. I think it's just, yeah, it's natural that the younger half are more worldly wise than the older half. Yes. Um, when you're in a home where the parents are very conscientious <clears throat> about the environment of the home and mm. what's being let into the home um, by nature of older children, there is just there's just more grown up stuff and older stuff. And I think that the Lord ha- is gracious in that. That's, sure. that's just the way it is. You can't change it. And so, I mean, I would say like everything with my younger siblings on a surface level is probably different, but the core remains the same as mm. far as my parents value system and the faith that they're passing on to my, mm-hmm. you know, younger siblings and the obedience and respect that mm. they demand and that my siblings love to give them um, because they're just so worthy of respect. I think that there are so many things on that core level that are the same, but in terms of like, did all my younger sisters match in matching dresses Mm -hmm. till they were 14? Like I did. No, they don't. They, they developed a personal style a lot earlier. Um, And that's just like, it's like apples or oranges, you know, it's just different. Yes. Yeah. It's not to say one's better or worse media, you know, like the media that my older brother was, you know, allowed to, or you watch or exposed to when he was 12, 13 and 14 versus my youngest brother when he was 12, 13 and 14 is dramatically different yeah. with music. And, and, and like you said, it makes sense because 
when when your oldest is 12, you're like, okay, everybody, you get to tell them everybody's dressing this way and therefore all the kids are dressing that way or you're all holding the standard. But then when your oldest is 18, you're like, okay, well, we're not going to tell our 18-year-old you know, how they're going to dress and it's going to be congruent with the rest of the family. So all of a sudden that uniformity starts going away. And so then your 12 year old has a lot more liberty in what they, they choose to wear. Yeah. Like Lionel will probably know what Star Wars is when he's six years old, <laughs> you know, because I'm sure we'll have seen it as a family at that point. Yeah. And, you know, it won't be the same as where Leon was when he was six. So I think there's pros and cons to being in both halves of the family. I think you could be just as intentional as a parent. And that's something I really respect with both my, both of our parents is they are just as intentional with the younger half, even though it looks a little different. Yes. And I think, I think we've spoken about this before. I think the middle kids, like in that stage where the middle kids were growing up, there was like this maybe slack of the reins a little bit more. Yes. And then both sets of our parents were like, whoa, 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 we can't relax here. We've got a lot of little kids still coming up behind. We have to tighten the reins and parent very intentionally and they have yes. both really finished the race well i feel like and are, and are still in that process that's a good point katie and i want to be aware of that as a parent because i do think my it's exactly what you said my parents went through a season where their older you know half or whatever you want to call it an older the older batch uh were entering into their young adult years they were thriving in the faith they were meeting you know their their future spouse and they were handling the dating relationships in a really healthy and mature way my parents were like this is awesome and I think there was this temptation to kind of slack off for the, it wasn't a temptation. It was just a propensity based off of the circumstances, I think. Yeah. You're, you kind of have your eye on the success that's happening because of all the intention that you put in. Yes. I feel like it's easy to just relax. Maybe yes. relax is the term. Yeah. And if you've got a 22 year old, but you still have a 12 year old, you're like, wait a second. We were pouring a lot of time and energy into our, when our 22 year old was 12, we were very involved in his life in an intentional way. Yeah. Like when I got married at 21, I had a three-year-old sister. Yeah. Well. So, I mean, I think she's 13 still. So like my, my mom's still homeschooling and all that. And your, your mom's about a decade ahead mm -hmm. um, in terms of how old her youngest is. Right. Yeah. That's really interesting to think about. And I do admire our parents because I, I think that, like you said, maybe there was a season, I, you know, it's always so easy to armchair quarterback, like oh, as yeah. a kid and, oh, yeah. and there was a time, especially when you get in a mood as like one of the older kids, you're like, oh, when we were kids, we that never would have been allowed or yeah. we would have never gotten away with that. Uh, and it's usually always pretty playful unless you're in a genuinely bad mood and you just want to be bitter, you know. Um, but but there were some times that I think our parents, both sides of the parents were very receptive to the older kids being like, hey, mom, dad, like what's going on? Like I heard yeah. my nine year old sibling singing this song. Is this the music that's allowed in the house? You know, mm -hmm. and I think our parents were really receptive to that. They're kind of like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> like that. We do need to rein this in a bit. Um, and so I think that that is really cool that they've maintained that, that, that spirit of humility throughout the duration of their parenting. Yeah. I feel like that's very <clears throat> rare in big families, which makes sense. Cause you just kind of like, I think it'd be easy to let stuff go and kind of ride on the success of your older kids if they're thriving yeah. and just stop doing what got gotcha them there. there in the first place. I mean, that's just a common side effect of success, right? The biggest yes. danger of success is stopping doing what you've done to get to that place yeah. in business and family and, and yeah. everything. Yeah, that's exactly right. So anyways, yeah, I really respect our parents that way. And 
yes, they, I mean, that was very specific. Like how do they parent them differently than you? But I would just say yes. And it's still really <laughs> awesome. You know, I still really admire them. And I do think there is an element to you of when you are a newbie parent, you're just also, I think both of our parents know what are the bigger issues and what to let go. Hmm. You know, what's worth fighting over with your child Hmm. or really putting your foot down with and what is like not as big of a deal. Um, Because I think you do have that experience too, to be like, okay, well, not everything is a super big deal. Like Hmm. when I think of myself as a teen and what was considered a big deal compared to how that's just really relaxed with my younger sisters. I think it's actually, I think it's better now in, in some instances because my parents are just like, Oh, okay. That's, that's not a huge issue. Um, but I also really value, it is a double-edged sword because there were some really big benefits that I appreciate my parents being so onto me, um, during those years. I think there were some benefits and I reap some blessings of that too. So yeah. Yeah. It's hard to walk that line perfectly yeah. uh, as a parent. I feel like that's why we really respect one reason we really respect our parents because they've done a good job of that. Yes, I agree. Okay. This woman asked, she said that she's convicted about Halloween. How does she bring it up when her husband has such good memories? We do have a podcast we'll link in the description box about what we do with Halloween and why we came to that conclusion. Yeah. What would you say? I don't know. This is one of those, again, I don't want to speak too much about it because we did do a full podcast and I forget what we said, honestly, and we haven't talked about it in a long time, but we don't celebrate Halloween. We we never have, and it's never been an issue because neither one of us grew up celebrating it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was, it's been a, it's been a literal non-issue in our home. Um, and, but I'm trying to, you know, compare that to something that maybe we have come into, you know, I think of like even Christmas, you yeah, know, cause for, we didn't celebrate Christmas for years cause that yes. was my conviction not to and Elisha. Um, was really gracious in that. Yeah, I grew up celebrating Christmas, having great association with it. Um, and then Katie came with a conviction. And but but again with that, you were really you were really gracious. It's not like you were hard nosed, you weren't going to ever, you know, sing a Christmas carol, you know, you were gonna fold your arms to, at church when it was the Christmas carol time. Oh, yeah. Um and you were willing to like go to my side of the family's Christmas gatherings and, and be so have such a good attitude. It was just like in our home. You didn't want to do that. So, yeah, I don't know in this instance what. Um, Well, specifically the way the question's phrased, I guess, how do I bring it up? I would just say bring it up. That's that's all I would really encourage is like you don't know what your husband's thoughts are necessarily on it. He might have really great memories with celebrating Halloween, but be very sensitive to your um, concern about it. Or Mm -hmm. maybe you guys could research it together and you can come up with more um, reasons for your concern instead of just this gut response to, I don't want to do this. Or, um, maybe you could, I don't know, you, you'll just reach a closer level of oneness having the conversation as long as you do it in a really healthy way. If you guys actually, if you are a part of my parents marriage course called marriage maximizer, they have a section in there all about the one way conversation. Mm. And I think that is the ideal way to address a sensitive topic that is potentially going to be emotionally charged Mm. um, and have that conversation end up in a healthy spot, Um, begin and end in a healthy spot. So anyways, I'd really encourage that if you feel like there's a lot of hot button topics in your marriage, or if this is just a really big issue, following their steps for that one way conversation is really big. Um, But just 
just bring it up in a way that's not attacking him or saying he's, you know, of the devil because he celebrates this, you know, just like, yeah. <laughs> like he has his reasons for wanting to do it. And I just have a conversation about it. Yeah. And if he really wants to have the kids dress up and go trick-or-treating or whatever, then I would roll with that um, personally. And you could keep having conversations about it year after year and praying and the Lord can change his heart, you know? Yeah, it is bizarre. I, again, I'm trying to think of a recent scenario where this has happened, but I feel like there have been countless times in our marriage where I've been reluctant to bring something up that you were, you were walk, you know, you were doing something a certain way. I was like, ah, that's not my preference but I don't really want to bring it up because I thought it was maybe more important to you than it really was. Mm -hmm. But then finally I bring it up. You're kind of like, Oh yeah. Like, Oh, that you should have said something like that's, I, you know, I, I always did it this way just because, and, um, and you don't know until you actually have the conversation and things can become a way bigger deal if you make them a bigger deal, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and it might be, you know, it might, again, who knows what this circumstance is. And it could be like, okay, you know, so find some compromise. Like, can we not do the, like the demonic costumes and you yeah. know the the zombie stuff like or what we, if we hosted yes. an event at our house yes or can like, we do a harvest party yeah. like if it maybe it's the terminology you're kind of like well, i because there is plenty to be concerned with with halloween don't get me yeah. wrong and yeah. there's a reason we don't celebrate it um but yeah changing maybe the way that if he has really good memories around it well maybe you go to a church that has an event or you avoid dressing up a certain way Mm -hmm. or, you know, there's ways to work your way (laughs) towards something that you guys are both more comfortable with. And again, hosting is always a great option too. Um, yeah, but trying to come into, if it is a really big deal, not going like cold Turkey, cutting this out of your life as far as having a celebration on that day or something. Yeah. I don't know. I'm really not a big fan of following. (laughs) So, (laughs) Okay, this is a really quick one. What brand of dumb phone do you recommend? Hmm. Well, my favorite has still been, it's funny because I, I don't know, I'm such a tightwad when it comes to replacing my phone. My favorite has been the light phone. Uh, I had that for a couple of years. That was, I think, the first non-smartphone I got Yeah, was the light phone. And I had that, yeah, maybe for a year and a half, two years. And then it just broke and I ran to the local, whatever, AT&T store and bought a flip phone and haven't replaced that just because I haven't gotten around to it. So I've had it over a year, but once this one breaks, I would really like to get a light phone. Yeah. Again. And what's funny is my, my dumb phone, I have a regular, just like flip phone and mine's broken four times. And Elisha, who actually wants to replace his with a light phone, can't break his for the life of him. Yes. <laughs> so, this thing's in- but I tell you what guys, they just like went to Walmart and it, here's the thing. Everyone asks about what's your brand of flip phone? Like like there's a difference. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. There's yeah. not like a flip phone seven or a flip phone 11. I mean, there S. might be, this is, it just says AT&T on the front and the back is A-L-C-A-T-E-L. Yeah. Al- Al- no, Alcatel. They're called a dumb phone for a reason. If you have one, you have them all. You've experienced them all. So just, I go to Walmart, I pay 30 bucks and whatever's in the <clears> container <throat> I get. I don't know the brand. I don't know like the features are all the same. Yeah, no, I would say that's the case with the run of the mill flip phones. The light yes. phone is kind of its own thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was I wasn't negating what you said before about that. Yeah. The light phone. No. There's like the gab phones and the light phones. Yeah, I've never used the gab phone, but people like that one too. So. See, it's not as cool. Like it's not as much of a flex using the gab phone cuz yes. it looks like a smartphone. So it doesn't look like you're living life more intentionally. Exactly. Like if you want to do your good deeds before men, then don't get the gab phone. 
because it looks just like you've got a smartphone. I <laughs> know. Uh, um, preferred ethnicity of food to eat when dining out. Okay. I mean, probably the most obvious one is just Mexican food. Like that's just usually what we do as, as a, family. a family. And then as what would you say for a date night? I don't know. Some form of Italian. Yeah. Like. Italians are fancy date. If we have like a lot of time and if we're getting food, like after a podcast or something, I would say it's pub food. Yes. That's, like burgers. Wow. Okay. You thought about this. No, I just, I, that's just like my gut. Yeah. So as a family, I'd say Mexican restaurants. One, obviously you get chips and salsa. And so when you've got hungry kids or a hungry mama, you're able to, <laughs> wow. I'm just saying, I, I'm not saying I you, think... I just think like maybe I was talking about just in theory guys, yeah. <laughs> you get calories right away. Um, and then usually it, depending on the Mexican restaurants, it's a bit more affordable, you know, like with a family and they love kids. Yes, I agree. They're they family are, restaurants they for are. a reason. They expect you to bring your kids there. They expect there to be chips on the floor. They expect you to spill your glass of water. Yes. Um, and they are so nice. The The servers and everything. It's just not oh. a pretentious environment. And so I really love that. Yeah. And then like you said, if we're, if it's fancy, some, for, you know, some Italian restaurant. And then you're right though, that ever since we were dating, you and I have both had a, like, a bond over pub burgers. Like we just yes. love pub food. Yeah. Um, and so that still is kind of French fries and burgers. Yeah. Go to, did the older kids struggle with welcoming Lionel? Were you intentional about specific time? So far, this has been the most jubilant reception of a child for us. And I think cause the kids are older so yeah. they can be more jubilant. Yes. They get it way more. They were looking for the expectation and the, and the, uh, you know, the, the anticipation was far greater with, with Lionel than any of our kids. And so it's been very celebratory and it's been fun I, from the get, like from the first morning when the kids walked into, you know, to our bedroom to meet him, it was so rewarding. Yeah. Like makes see, me emotional. Yes, like how see their excitement. it was just a family, a family push there at the end to like, I don't know. I not, mean, not, not, yeah. not specifically. I did the pushing. <laughs> yeah. Come on now. You no. got to take the credit well, there. We were just, it was, the family expectation was so high there at the end. Um, I really, really, really believe that kids not accepting another child into the family is a failure. It's like a failed social construct. It's, it's totally something that the culture has pushed and children will naturally delight in a new sibling um, if they are not hearing voices that say otherwise. I just, I really believe that when it comes to, I mean, that's been our experience. We've had children um, that are two years old and one year old and, you know, six all along. Just, we've never had a child at any age begrudge a baby coming yep. into the world. I do think, um, I have a blog post all about this, which we'll also link down below, um, specific things that we do because we are really intentional, mainly with the baby that's being kicked out. Um, as far as getting mommy time oh, or a lot of it. extra yes. daddy time. Right. Right. So yes. that like one and a half or two year old or three year old, whoever's your youngest. Um, I feel like we are really intentional with that. Yeah. But everyone's just excited. You know, and on that topic, every time we've had a new baby, it's like I then get to form a new bond with the next youngest because yeah, I end up true. spending a lot more time with them. And I feel like I'm doing that right now with Lawrence. I definitely did it with, you know, with, with Leon and we had Lucy and then with all of them thus far. And I was, I've been remembering that with how fun it's been with Lawrence. He and I are really connecting right now. And I think it's because he got, you know, he graduated from being mommy's, mommy's baby. baby. 
So now I'm hanging out with him and, and it's been really fun. Went from uh, being mommy's baby to daddy's boy. Yeah. And also, I, like you said, it is so cool that we get to set the tone and the expectation for our kids receiving their siblings. And that book, you know, Family Teams by Jeremy Pryor. Jeremy Pryor has been on the podcast before. Maybe we can link that below. But I love the way he talks about viewing your family as your team. And I think Katie and I both grew up with parents that instilled that culture and instilled that mindset in us. And it continues to this day. And so more, it just seems better. Like another one, another teammate, somebody else that has a like-minded vision and goal and we're, and we're pulling towards the same thing together. And I feel that as an adult, like every time one of my siblings has success in an area, I, I'm like, oh, we, I say things like we or us, or it feels very like this is, we're doing it. Like we're, we're winning here. And even with my in-laws, I feel the same way, you know, when, when there, and there are wins, it doesn't, it's not to say that there's never been competitive moments growing up, you know? Um, but in general, that's, that's the mindset. And it's cool that we get to instill that into our kids. Yeah. And, and this is not, we aren't saying at all like, oh, it all works out in the end. Just, just have babies and who cares? we are very intentional with each one of our children and trying to be as in tune to them as we can, um, to see, okay, are they feeling neglected? Are they, but that can happen at any time that can happen, whether there's a new baby or there's not a new baby. And Mm. so, um, a new baby is a great time to evaluate, like, where's everybody at who needs more time with mommy or daddy. Um, but it's just really great to circle around and, and check on that, whether you have two children or, you know, eight children. Yeah, <clears throat> no doubt. I mean, you talked about that. I think you had really great insight into pitfalls of big families. I think it was another episode <laughs> yeah, where, where that is a, it does seem like that can be a common misstep of big families. You're thinking like, Oh, they're fine. Like, mm-hmm. well, that's, are you sure? Like what makes you say that? Uh, and it, and I think that the level of intentionality and the burden, or I call it a burden, but the responsibility really grows with each child, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it is incumbent upon us to set those mindsets into our children to make sure they are being tended to and cared for. Um, and you can't just be like, yeah, it's easy just to be like, Oh, they're, they're fine. Like mm-hmm. they're adaptable or there's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. How about one more? One more. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have two more and one of them's quick. Okay. Okay, we'll do one more. No, no, no. Let's do two. Let's do the quick one. We'll see how quick it actually is. Okay. Well, I don't want to end on the quick one. I think oh. that's my problem. Okay. It was thoughts on Ebecca for homeschooling. Go for it. I just, yeah. I just feel like it's kind of niche and specific. Okay, but like really quick, I did say maybe Becca growing up, and I feel like it's the stereotypical like replication of a public school system. So you'll get your bases covered but it kind of turns learning into cardboard mm-hmm. in my experience. Mm-hmm. So it's great if you don't have a better option because it can it can cover the bases. You can make it exciting as the teacher. And I know that there's some seasons of life where as a mom, you just need to make sure that the bases are getting covered. Yes. You know, and it's just like, you know what? Do the spelling program. Who cares if it's dry as dust? You'll you'll know how to spell at the end, mm-hmm. you know? So those are those are my thoughts on it. If you have another option, I would take that option from my personal choice. I just think there's a lot of great options out there nowadays that weren't when a Becca was supreme. That makes sense. You know? Okay. Was that quick enough? That was great. great. (laughs) We can do one more. Okay. (laughs) How to introduce your kids to hell and the fear and wrath of God without scaring them, Hmm. especially for kids who might then start to just act in fear instead of the love of God. Maybe 
maybe that's a whole episode actually. Yeah, I was gonna say, holy smokes. <laughs> that one's not a short one. Yeah, can we can we can we do that a rain one? Check? Yeah, yeah, on that one. Okay. We'll do a whole podcast episode on that one. Great. Does that work? That's great. Okay, good. Okay. Folks, thank you all so much for <laughs> thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a thumbs up on YouTube if you're listening on uh audio device. Go to whatever platform you're listening on and maybe give us a rating or a review there. That's all I'm going to ask. All right. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.